You're listening to Out of the Box, a place for marketers to get inspired, get going, and break out of the box. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jess Overton, and you're listening to Out of the Box, the marketing podcast exploring out-of-the-box approaches to marketing and growth. Today, I'm joined by Greg Turtle, head of growth at What3Words, a mobile app dedicated to allowing people to identify any location in the world based on three words. A super, super interesting concept. But before we get into what What3Words actually is, Greg, tell us a little bit about, a little bit about yourself. Sure, thank you. Um, yeah, so I've been in the industry now for about 15 years. I actually started off in um, more like broader ad buying, TV buying specifically in my agency days. Um, made the switch to Sky TV, big pay TV platform here in Europe, um, where I was focused on growing revenues for uh, their OTT and VOD products, um, very kind of video focused. Uh, and from there, I made the switch over to TikTok, um, which was kind of a logical move, I guess, into the app world and social media space because it was so like video native. Um, so my video background helped me a lot there. Um, even though I was only there for about a year and a half, uh, we did a lot in that time. It's a very fast moving company, as you can imagine. Um, Learn an awful lot about uh, about app growth and, and different kind of techniques to, to growing rapidly. Um, and I've taken some of that into my latest role here at What3Words. Uh, again, just been here only about a year now. Um, loving it uh, and, and really looking forward to the next, uh, the next few years and, and an exciting future at the company. Fantastic. So I think I, hopefully we'll get into some of those things that you took from TikTok because I think as TikTok is an exploding platform for growth in a lot of different spaces, uh, whether it be app, e-commerce, whatever, um, I think there's a lot that we could go into there. But, but first, I'm not sure that everybody will be familiar with what three words actually is. So can you tell us a little bit about the company, the concept? Of course. Yeah. So what there was, um, we're primarily a, a consumer facing app, uh, but we also have a website um, that works functionally exactly the same as the app does. Um, and what we've done is we've we've divided the, the whole world into uh, three meter by three meter squares, which is roughly the size of a parking space. Um, and given each one of those squares its own unique three word address using three random words from the dictionary uh, that could be a dictionary across multiple different languages, but we'll touch on that, I think, a little bit later. Um, so what that what that's given then is, is the whole world now has uh, an address, effectively, wherever you are, you could be in the, the middle of nowhere, uh, even in the middle of the ocean or the Antarctic, or I suppose more relevantly in the, the middle of like a, a forest or something like more local to you. And you'll know uh, and be able to give an address um, to anyone to, to, to give them your location. Uh, that obviously has a lot of particularly um, important use cases, not least emergency services. Um, you know, if you if you have an accident somewhere, you're not sure where you are. There's now a, a you know an app which will help you communicate to to anyone exactly where you are. Um, but you can bring that back into like more day to day use cases as well. Uh, if you think about uh, delivery and the prevalency of delivery services now. Um, and like rapid delivery becoming more of an important thing. Uh, a lot of people still live in addresses which are difficult to find. Uh, delivery companies are always wasting time in that last mile trying to locate individual properties. Um, and then there's a lot of other use cases that, that, that you, you can think of by just being a lot more precise about where you are or, or where you're trying to meet somebody. Um, so that's us. We, we, we're effectively a, a layer that can be um, placed over other map companies as well. So our app will throw through, throw through to something like Google Maps or Apple Maps where you can navigate to that location. Uh, and we partner with a, a lot of big companies now who are taking our, our technology to 
um, and building it into their products. So people like DHL, DPD, uh, Every, which are all like big delivery companies here in Europe, um, they're now integrated. Uh, you can now pass your Wobbly Words address onto those companies and they'll know they'll know what we're, what you're talking about and they'll know how to find you. So is, was getting the B2B piece uh, a function of, of sort of succeeding in the B2C area or are they sort of two different independent uh, business activities that can coexist without one necessarily succeeding before the other? No, it's definitely a it's definitely a, a, a symbiotic ecosystem. Uh, we need we without the other the the other won't succeed. Um, so we make money via our B two B partnerships. We don't monetize mm-hmm. our, our consumers directly. Um, we make money by companies like the ones I just mentioned uh, taking our technology. Uh, another big vertical would be car companies building us into their sat navs. Uh, we make money that way. Um, and I think you know there's there's the obvious like consumer to consumer use cases for what the words. Uh, like I mentioned, telling someone where you are, if you're trying to meet someone in a park sure. or you're trying to tell someone, oh, hey, do you want to come around my house? It's a little bit hard to find, come here. But um, they, they're not necessarily going to be as regular as, um, as as they could be if we start adding a lot of other businesses into the mix. Um, so having more uh, places to insert your three-word address, um, it'll just help like give users more use cases uh, and ultimately more touch points to, to engage with what three words. Um, so yeah, with, without the consumers, we don't get the businesses to sign the deals. And to be honest, without the business deals, uh, we struggle to give the consumers enough use cases to really make what three words um, a daily a daily app. Got it. So I think the business case for the B two B is you know is pretty clear to me. If I was a and I'm not a sales guy, but if I was, you know, I think I could I could formulate the pitch pretty quickly if I walked into DHL's headquarters and and had mm-hmm. to sell them the product. It occurs to me, though, that that's a pro- maybe a little bit more of a difficult sell when we're talking about the consumer. So talk to me about your approach to growth for what three words on the consumer side. Sure. Um, I think, I mean, first off, we don't really have much of a, uh, a business competitive set, I'd say. There's not really many people doing what we're doing, um, or at least not in the in like not in the same way um other companies have used codes uh for for like very local addressing but using the words and making it much more easily communicatable we're pretty unique in that space um the biggest kind of i guess barrier that we have to growth has just been the the tools that we all use in our day-to-day life to get around this problem of addresses not being very good you know you'll you'll have like uh um a series of sentences that you might say to your friend about how to find your house. You know, it's, you turn right at the post box, it's next to the house that's pink and you'll kind of just find these ways of getting around this, this annoying problem. Uh, so that's the challenge that we've really had. Um, and I think, uh, on the face of it, what the words is not too difficult to understand, you know, the three meter by three meter concept. Um, we can put that into our advertising quite simply and people can kind of understand, Oh, okay, this is a, this is a new way of looking at addressing, uh, I don't quite get it, but I get it enough to want to download it and check it out. Um, the challenge that we then have is uh, trying to remind users uh, of moments in their day-to-day life where they're experiencing a what three words moment. You know, you're broken down on the side of the road. You don't know exactly, you know you're on the M6 or something in the UK, but you don't know exactly where you are. You call up the AA uh, and they ask you where you are. You might not in that exact moment, because maybe you're, you know, it's a difficult situation. You forget that what the words is there and is a solution. So it's really the challenge for us now is to make what the words um, like more ingrained in people's everyday life and know that there's an app 
it's also going to help in like these situations where previously you would always just get around it using those tools that people have innately. Um, so when it comes to tools for growth, um, and I think we, you know, I might talk about it a little bit later, it's, it's not enough for us certainly just to get the install. Um, we need to keep that ongoing communication going with our users. Um, we need to keep onboarding new businesses and giving them more reasons to use Wapti Words, but it's vital for us to communicate that those relationships exist um, and, uh, and, and yeah, that, that happens in our online, um, retargeting, but we're also doing that increasingly now in our, in our TV advertising as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I do want to jump into that because I know that you guys have been a leader for, uh, uh, media for equity deals, right? So I, I think that's, it's an interesting space that I haven't really gotten that far into. So talk to me and, and talk to our listeners as, as a, as, as a wider group about what exactly media for equity means and and who it's for. Sure. So in the early years of What Three Words, we grew mainly through uh, big PR big PR stories. Uh, we got some excellent press coverage um, globally, frankly, in the early days, uh, especially with the emergency services uh, use case that, we, that we'd have. Mm -hmm. um, we also did a lot of paid digital advertising as well. Um, Facebook and Google and, you know, the traditional places where you where you do this. And we did see a lot of, we did see a lot of growth. We got a lot of installs um, quite rapidly, but we like more recently, we, we realized that we need to take this message broader um, for what three words to really succeed. Uh, we need hundreds of millions of users in the long run. Um, and there's only so far that uh, paid digital advertising can get you. Um, so we knew that we needed to add TV to our toolkit. Um, and we, we kind of realized that we're a company which was attracting a lot of um, investors at the time anyway. Uh, a lot of people are interested in us, seeing that we're growing rapidly and can see that, you know, we may have something really quite significant here. Um, so we, were, we, we, we managed to start conversations with some media companies um, who were interested in our um, in our in our solution, and I guess it was a tough time for them. You know, the pandemic was on, uh, ad revenues were down, uh, and so a lot of companies had um, inventory available um, and, and and an opportunity for an investment. And when you think about it from their side, they're not really giving too much away. They're not they're not paying for anything. They they just give us their airtime. So that's what a media for equity deal is. Uh, so ITV in the UK, Channel Four in the UK, uh, ProSieben in Germany. Times of India in India, they're now investors in what three words. Um, but instead of giving us cash, they've given us um, media credits or, or you know space in their um, in their content to, to go and advertise. And it's, it's a it's a mutually beneficial deal, really. Like they have space available. Um, they're looking for to kind of diversify their revenue. Um, and it's, it was great for us because you know we're always looking to take investment, but. At this time, or certainly at that time, most of the investment that we're going to take, we're going to put it into broadcast marketing anyway. Um, so why not do this deal? And and the, the 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 bit that benefits us, I guess, is that we then have this direct relationship with these media owners. Um, quite often, we get good rates with them as well because they're now partners, and that you know that's kind of all part of the deal. Um, so so yeah, we're going direct to source. We get great discounts, um, and we now have this like ongoing partner. Um, and, and, and hopefully it's going to be beneficial for both of us in the long run. And, and yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic for us. It's given us a, a real quick way to get access to, to TV. Um, and in some markets like India, you know, it's a difficult market for us. We're, we're UK based. It's a, it's a complex market. It's not really like Western Europe and having that relationship with the times of India, the, the experts in the market and knowing, 
you know, what to do, like kind of how best to utilize their portfolio uh, has been invaluable. I guess that you had to do some pretty significant qualification to get to the correct partners, right? Because you, you wouldn't want to sort of enter into a media for equity partnership with just anybody. Can you tell me a little bit about how you chose the specific partners to uh, to engage with? Sure. I, th- I mean, I think having TV um, as as part of whatever media run we're talking to, like that's been key. Like we know that TV works for us. So all the equity, media for equity deals that we have, like TV is um, the main part or at least some part of it. Um, scale. So yeah, scale is, is an obvious one. Um, so we, we do want like, like the, these broadcast deals are, are awareness play for us more than, more than anything, really. We like trying to get our brand awareness up. We'll keep our digital advertising on all the whole time to try and like convert people and acquire them. But we do need whatever media for equity partner that we work with to have mass reach. Um, so that's, that's been super important. Um, and then, and then I think a lot of it is, is, uh, you know, the chemistry between the two companies. Um, and then finally the commercials, you know, what kind of pricing we're talking about. Um, and we, and we know from like, agencies that we work with in different markets, whether or not we're getting a good deal. Um, so yeah, the, the, those are the three elements, I suppose, like mass reach, good chemistry with the company, um, and the commercials just have to, have to, have to kind of work out. Gotcha. And if we get into sort of the uh, the, the more nitty gritty day to day stuff, I mean, there's there's really a very clear alignment of incentives when you're doing this sort of deal, right? When you give an equity, it's very obvious that Times of India, if we want to run with that example, are 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 going to be hoping for your success. For sure. So how do how do you think about optimization in a sort of a deal like that, and really measuring the success of your campaigns, changing them, targeting them, localizing them? How how, how does that work? Sure. Yeah. And some of the deals are very different, you know, so ITV is, is pretty straightforward, you know, it's a TV deal. Um, and we, and we're just buying kind of media space with those guys on, on across their kind of their TV channel portfolio. Times of India, um, has been quite a different one because they're a very much a multi-channel media owner in, in that market. Uh, they do have TV channels, but obviously they're a, they're a very print first business. Mm-hmm. Um, they also huge in the out of home space, uh, like airports and things like that. And, and huge now in digital as well. Um, so the way that we've approached that deal really is, is test and learn. Uh, the first, I think the deal launched or that we started spending in January of this year. Um, and we immediately went live with, with print, um, because, uh, you know, we can get, we can get creative assets made quickly, um, and we can book and run things quite, quite fast. We've also been able to add QR codes to those assets, which give us some kind of return path on what's working and what's not. Um, but at what three words, yeah, we, we, we do prefer to try and test something like test quickly, um, get learnings fast and then optimize on the fly. Um, so the first few months of that deal have been kind of just dipping our toe in the water of the different channels that the times of India have available to them, taking their guidance on the best way to utilize it. Um, but you know, sometimes we have to push back. Sometimes times of India is saying, look, we really think you should go down this way, but we've got learnings already from things that we've done in other markets that we know that's not necessarily going to work for us. Um, so it's about balance, uh, but I think now having been running with them for like maybe four or five months, we're now making kind of bigger moves. Um, buying so like uh, in June, for example, you know we're going big on airport media in uh, in India. Um, we're now the marketing team have just come back from India filming our latest TV ads, so we're ready to go full on with TV now. Now that we know what messages are probably going to resonate best in that market, um, so yeah, it really was a case. It's difficult because you suddenly get given this big toolkit and and toy box of it's a 10 million dollar deal 
so the, the the temptation is to just go big, but I'm glad that we've kind of taken the four or five months just to take our time and, and now scale from here. Well, that sounds like a pretty a pretty good approach to me. And certainly, you know, we took, we're we we have this podcast to talk about out of the box marketing strategies. I think this is probably the most out of the box marketing strategy I've come across since I've I've started hosting the podcast. So you know, hats off to you for that one. Uh, I think that you 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 touched on localization, and I, I'm not sure if this is relevant for for all of your uh, uh, your media deals. Um, uh, certainly, this type of media deal, uh, but it certainly seems like it, right? So, how do you how do you think about localization, and and what does it mean to what three words? Localization is yeah, it's really important. On what three words? Um, I mean, we're a words based uh, product when you think about us. Um, so, uh, and we we. We work in over 50 languages. The app like functions in over 50 languages. In fact, I think uh, just last week or the week before, we launched in Catalan. So actually, when you get down to 51 or 52 languages, these are not necessarily mainstream languages anymore. So we recognize the importance of language uh, in culture and, and how much people resonate with it and appreciate that you go the extra mile and don't just do Spanish. You do Catalan as well. Um, or in India, you don't just do Hindi and English and maybe some of the other like main uh, official languages, but you go down because I think they've got 12 official languages, in India, but you go down all the way to the, you know, some of the more niche ones or, mm-hmm. or lesser spoken ones, I should say. Um, but when you think about it, those those lesser spoken ones in India are still a lot of people. So Odia, uh, which I think is one of the smallest uh, official languages of India is spoken by, I think it's about two and a half or three percent of the population, but that's 30 million people. Uh, you know, the size of Belgium or something like that. You know, it's a big, yeah. mar- it's a big market. And what we've, uh, you know, the app works in, in those languages. So we thought, well, why not speak to people in our marketing in those languages as well? Um, so on Facebook now, for example, a lot of our ads, um, well, we, we've started to run lang- uh, ads in Odia in, in India. And we've seen the, the cheapest cost per install out of any ads that we're running in that market. And we're not sure, but the, you know the hypothesis is that not many brands use like speak in that language on on Facebook. They it, they they kind of do the, the the top five, but don't go down. So um, yeah, when that's I mean, language is only one thing, but I, I guess it, it extends beyond that. Um, I just mentioned that the marketing team have come back from India. You know, we're not doing things just from London and and getting people to do it for us out there. We 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 do send our team out into the local markets. Um, to you know, really experience what it's like over there, and 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 uh, make sure that what's being filmed is truly like native and appropriate. Um, yeah, so we we don't we don't typically take imagery from one market and just I guess translate it and stick it into another. We we try and make sure we're always using um, local imagery, uh, local kind of cultural references, um, and all underpinned by as many languages as, as possible. I think you. You mentioned earlier retargeting, right? And and I think that retargeting and remarketing is is certainly a pretty hot button topic. And I guess as we sort of progress into this uh, uh, this new economic reality that we find ourselves in, it'll probably be an even an even bigger topic as as twenty twenty two marches on. And let's say that you've 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 got your localized campaign. You've you've launched this uh, uh, this new ad campaign in, in India that you've uh, you've just finished, and you've managed to to get a whole bunch of uh, uh, to get a whole bunch of installs, if they don't convert to retained users, how do you think about remarketing to them? What's what's the growth value for you guys in remarketing? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and it's something that we're working on at the, at, you know, like live right now. Um, when I joined the vast majority of our digital marketing was on acquisition. Um, and we have branched out into, um, well, not branched out, but we've kind of upweighted percentages of spends into awareness and, and like you say, retargeting as well. Um, and in certain markets, like we're more progressed than others on the acquisition piece. Uh, in the UK, our brand awareness is pushing 50% now. Um, and like we've seen many millions of installs over the last few years. We know a lot of people know of us. We know a lot of people have installed the app. Um, but we know a lot of people are, are not using us on a, on a weekly or monthly basis, as I mentioned before. In fact, a lot of people have what three words uh, because of the early days of that emergency services message and they kind of installed it. But it's now on us to make sure that we go back to those users and say, hey, guys, like we know that you know that we're going to help you in an emergency. But did you know that you can use us in all of these brands? Um, did you know that you might want to think about us in this particular like situation that you may find yourself in? So. We have a, a lot of tools to do that. Some of them are, uh, are like owned and operated, things like in-app notifications, push notifications, uh, newsletter. Um, you know, so we, 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 we're always talking to our existing users, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to talk to lapsed users because they're not necessarily engaging with the app. So we, um, you know, we use the, the tech stack that we have available to us to try and chop cohorts up um, and, and message them differently based on what they've done or haven't done within the app. Um, and that's starting to yield results. You know, we're, we're, we're able to see, uh, you know, what it's costing us to get to drive people back into the app. And we can, we compare that to the costs for acquiring a new user. Um, and ultimately what, you know, a new user is going to do in a month's time versus what a reacquired, a reacquired user is going to do in a month's time. Um, and yeah, like I said, the results are looking pretty positive. Um, and, and we, we, we're continuing to divert like share of digital marketing spend into that space. Um, but like I said, it, it's kind of different market by market, India, Japan, South Korea, these markets where we're a little bit newer and less well-known, we're still very much an awareness and an acquisition play. Uh, but in markets where we've been around a bit longer, like UK and, and increasingly Germany, it's now, it's now shifting away from we're what three words, we're a three meter by three meter, you know, we, we, with three words and all that kind of stuff. It's less informative about like the core uses of the app and more about use cases um, and moments where you might want to consider using what three words. I mean, in fact, our latest TV ad in the UK is, is, is you could describe it as a retargeting ad um, in as much as it's, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it just focuses on the delivery message. Um, we don't talk about the core functions of the app at all. We just portray um, a humorous scenario where a neighbor has like can't find their packages and it turns out that the neighbor next door has been receiving them and is actually stealing them. Um, so we don't, we don't, um, yeah. So we've just gone all in on delivery there um, and just kind of signpost people to use what three words at the end of it, but it's really not like a, a hardcore acquisition campaign. Um, and it's, it's more akin to a digital remarketing campaign, even though it's uh, on TV. That's interesting because I do think of of sort of CRM, if you will. I think of that as mostly an in-app activity, and and you wouldn't shift um, sort of media spend to that sort of uh, uh, to that sort of activity because really, you know, users you want you want them to be in the app, you want them to be engaged with whatever the in-app activity might be. But in the case of what three words, there really is a strong case for 
for continuing to buy media, whether it's on TV or out of home or, or wherever it might be, because there's a strong acquisition part to that as well, which I guess you can tack on and, and really enjoy from, from both sides of that coin. Sure. And, and I think, you know, one of the reasons for that is you know, we don't monetize our users directly. You know, we don't, there's no basket where you can buy things on Motley Words. So, um, uh, you know, that, that first, that first interaction with, between a user and Motley Words, yeah, it's, it's super important, but it's, it's more important that they continue to use us in the long run and that they're not just like a quick, quick in and out, you know, come in, buy something and leave. Uh, that's like, we, we have to take these guys on the journey with us. And like I said, ultimately get towards a hundred million, uh, you know, monthly active users globally. And when we're measuring success, we're talking about retention. We're talking about monthly active users. What, what, what do you guys use as a success metric? Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a few. Um, I suppose the the traditional ones that other apps would be familiar with are yeah, you know, daily new new like daily new users, daily, daily active users, monthly active users. Um, yeah, sure, they're they're super important. But we look at uh, other like unique to what three words type metrics as well. So uh, more around engagement. What are people actually using the app for? Um, how like you have to search for a three word address. And when we see people that are searching for three word addresses, we we see that as the most kind of deep understanding of our service. Um, so that's our North Star metric. How many how many searches I guess are happening, either within our own platforms or even within partner sites as well. Uh, so we capture all of that. So when we see uh, usage like that, that's kind of what we're really trying to aim towards: as many people using three word addresses as possible. And it's been really encouraging over the last year to see um, the the three word address usage line going up uh, at an even faster rate than the monthly active user line is going up. So what that shows is that our existing users and even new users that are coming in, they're more likely to really get us uh, and they're using three word addresses um, on a more prevalent basis than they were a year ago. Fantastic. That's good to hear. It's always nice to hear uh, marketing uh, marketing efforts are going to plan and uh, and and uh, that graph is going up and to the right. Sure, and I think it's I mean, it's, it's it's marketing, but it's also adoption um, in the wider in the wider world. So, um, small businesses or anyone with a premises these days are they're they're becoming more aware of what the words and and how important it might be to include a three word address link on their contact page, for example. You know, if you're a if you're a street food vendor in a park. And you're trying to tell people like where you are, stick it on your contacts page. If you're, uh, you know, if you're, if, if you work out of a, uh, I guess like a, a warehouse facility or something, and you've got multiple entrances, and you're trying to tell people exactly how to get to you, stick your three-word address. And the more times that people see those links online, um, the more ingrained it becomes, and it's just more touch points and, and, and avenues to get into our into our ecosystem. For sure. When you think about structuring your uh, your marketing team, because you have such sort of different deals that you have to to, to do, both in, in the user acquisition space, if we're talking Google and Facebook, or whether it's sort of the, the the broader media, whether it's media for equity, otherwise, how do you think about structuring that team? Do you have sort of multi-tool people, or, or do you really have separate teams for each of those activities? That's a good question. So we we have a we have a marketing team here. It's actually a, a large marketing team. We do most of our uh, creative in house. Certainly digitally, most of it is done in house. Um, and then the marketing team also work like diligently on some of the owned and operated stuff that I mentioned before. Things like the push notifications, the newsletters, mm-hmm. and they have a very strong 
say in what happens on TV as well. Like obviously we use outside creative agencies, but we have like awesome creative directors internally as well who who uh, who really help guide things. And we've we've recently won quite a few awards for some of the ads that we've made. Um, so that marketing team um, really takes ownership of the brand uh, and the messaging and and how kind of all of our comms gels together. Um, we've then got the growth team and we, you know, we implement digital performance media. That's one of our core functions. Um, but we also have a, have a say, I guess, in, um, how those media for equity deals are being deployed. Uh, like we mentioned the times of India where it's like a real multi-channel deal. Um, and I think you mentioned like, how do you unpick all that and measure ROI, um, on all of those different things and know what to dial up and dial down. So the growth team have quite a, um, you know, we're, we're very close to that. And we, we have a separate data and analytics team that we work very closely with um, to help um, to help actually crunch all those things. Um, so hopefully that, that kind of answers your question. Uh, yeah, the, the growth team, we deliver all the performance media, but we're also very close to the broadcast deals on an ROI basis. Um, and I guess linking the, the more data side of the business um, to the marketing side of the business, we're, we're kind of that, that um, yeah, that connector, I guess. Gotcha. Well, Greg, I think this has been a, a super interesting conversation. I've certainly learned a lot. And I think media for equity, like I say, is is probably one of the more out of the box uh, uh, marketing ideas that I've seen in, uh, uh, in the recent past. I'd like to end by asking you the question I ask of all my guests. And I'm unfortunately going to have to take media for equity out of the pool of answers for this one. And that's what is the most out of the box marketing you've seen or been a part of, as I say, other than media for equity? Sure. Um, so I've not been a part of it at all. Um, and I've not even seen it yet, but I've uh, been reading that eBay is the new sponsor of a show in the UK called Love Island, um, which I think is a really out of the box play on both sides, actually. So um, if you're not familiar with the show, Love Island is uh, um, it's you, they, they stick a bunch of single people into a, a villa in uh, Mallorca and kind of see how they get on and they all couple up. And it's a very kind of trendy influencer type show. And I think uh, it's become known in recent years for promoting fast fashion. Like most of the sponsors have been um, the fast fashion online brands. Um, and, you know, if, 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 a, if a product gets worn on that show, it, it often sells out very quickly from some of these, um, these retailers. And it's actually got a bit of a negative reputation for that, you know, being associated for fast fashion. So I'm really interested to see that their latest sponsorship, they've sold it to eBay. Um, and I hear that, you know, some of the, the characters on, on the show will even be wearing like, you know, used clothing lines and, uh, and they'll be directing people to, to find similar uh, type clothes on eBay. Um, cause it, and eBay's kind of trying to scale up its, um, it's used or like secondhand vintage clothes, uh, like arm as a, as a, as a, as a big revenue driving tool for them. So I just thought that was a really out of the box thing to do from both sides, frankly. Um, I'm sure ITV, you know, eBay may not have even been the top bidder. I don't know, but for, I think it, it makes ITV come across pretty well that they're trying to shift away and be more conscientious about the things that they're promoting on their channels. And then for eBay, uh, just a, a really cool way to get in front of like a young audience and show people that, Hey, you don't have to buy everything new and cheap from online retailers. You can get high quality show, uh, um, high quality clothes like vintage from eBay. Uh, and we're not just about kind of, I don't know, secondhand gym equipment and stuff like that. Love it. That's a great example. Well, Greg, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an enlightening conversation. 